Welcome to The Marketer's Journey, a podcast that delivers real conversations and fresh perspectives from senior marketing executives who share the journey they've taken and the buyer journey they create. And now here's your host, Randy Frisch. Welcome to The Marketer's Journey. Today, my guest is Joe Chernoff. I've known Joe for years, but today he is the CMO at Pendo. Him and I go back to just after he had started his career in a big way at Eloqua. Spent a number of years there as VP of Marketing, focusing on content. And as he talks about today, his career has been a back and forth between overseeing specifically content and then having times where he's overseeing all of marketing. And the interesting part that we uncover, especially in his role today as CMO of Pendo, is that his view has evolved from the need to always lead with content to lead with product. Now, his suggestion is not that one is right over the other, but we've got to find a way to bring the two of them together. That's everything from the type of content we write to ways that we can put product in front of our buyer earlier in that process. He actually talks about the fact that if we put that product in front of them, there's more likelihood that they are gonna buy. So don't be scared of it, embrace it. Show your content, show its capabilities, show what it can do for your buyer at the beginning of that buyer journey. This is a great episode. I invite you to dig in as I sit down with Joe Chernoff. Joe, thanks so much for finding time to chat with us. I have known you, I think since like 2012, somewhere around there. And I look back on your career and I'm trying to figure out like, what was that jumping point to a CMO gig? You you are a CMO of a rocket ship of a company in Pendo now, but you look back, how did you get here? Oh, gosh. I got here through some pretty good relationships. Over the years, I got to know some uh, venture capitalists, not just from the companies that invested in uh, my companies, but companies that invested in our competitors, who I think we were pretty good competitors to them, and they took notice. You know, it's a pretty valuable network to have. So whenever they've had like a cool company in their portfolio, those are the calls I've tended to take. You know, it's funny, I heard you talk to uh, my old boss, Brian Carden, and he talked about always taking calls from recruiters. I generally don't take calls from recruiters, but I do take calls from venture capitalists. That's funny. You know, it's it's as you say that as well, I remember that you and I actually got connected by a venture capitalist. I think it was Doug Pepper. Uh, and that was back when you were at Convey. And I, I remember meeting you at that point and you had already had an amazing run at Eloqua, now an Oracle company. And I thought like, all right, this guy's on to something big and huge next. But you know, you look at the companies that you continue to go to, it's it's hard to say which is the biggest one. I mean, HubSpot at the time was massive. You could almost argue Pendo is bigger now. So I, I guess my question through this VC network, are you trying to find that company that is at the early stage or at the growth stage when you come in in a leadership role? So let me do the Eloqua versus um, Pendo, right? The size of the company. We just raised a round, we announced a couple weeks ago. And um, I believe our round was larger than Eloqua, Marketo, and HubSpot on listing days in aggregate. So if you summed their listing day value, I don't believe it equals Pendo's round. Now, it's a different world now, right? Valuations are very different than they used to be, so I'm not saying it's three times as big as those orgs, but I found that to be an interesting little tidbit. Your follow-up question was, 
what, what stage do I like to grow to go? I'm better at growth stage. And I think that like I've discovered that over the, over the years, when I look back at the companies I work for, where have had some measure of success. What do they have in common? They're a growth stage. I think I need a little bit of organizational infrastructure. I need more doers in order to be successful. But once it, reach, it reaches a certain size, once it's Oracle, my like drivey side, my break glass side doesn't fit in so well. And so I think I'm sort of that growth stage. Get me in a company at 25, 30 million. Let me get you up to a couple hundred million. And that's probably where I'm, I'm strongest. So that's interesting. And, you know, you talk about this mindset of being that company, being part of that company to help them grow. I'm curious how you made the jump to CMO, because in the earlier days of me knowing you, and, you know, this is going back almost 10 years now, I would have associated you as the content guy. You know, the guy who's got content down and you've actually had various roles where you've overseen all of marketing or all of content. How do you get someone to buy into you as the executive to oversee all of marketing when you may have this association to a certain niche? Yeah, look, that's um, you can have an embarrassment of riches, right, where you just get typecast. And I tried to get out of content when I felt like I was the uh, George Costanza of marketing, right? <laughs> like you can never see that actor as anybody but George Costanza. Jason, Jason Alexander is the character, right? And I didn't want to do that. I didn't want to be just that person. So I went from Eloqua, where I had some of that rep, to run all of marketing at a startup. But like that was a little early stage for me. I don't think I thrived in that in that environment. I, I ran basically a content marketing program there. And then HubSpot called him like, OK, I'm good at this thing they want me to do. So I went back and did that. And then I went back to an early stage, earlier stage um, startup. I kind of like elements of both. I like being really good at one thing, but I'm also just a curious person. And running all of marketing is just sort of more generally interesting to me than going deep on one thing. But then once I run all of marketing, sometimes I long for the thing I'm really good at and I go back to that. I don't know. I have sort of two itches that I scratch in alternating fashion, like windshield wipers. I, I like the ownership of that and, and the realization that you're pulled back sometimes. I'm wondering now that you've been in these roles where you're overseeing all of marketing, companies like Insight Squared, Robin, and now Pendo, when you're in that role and there's a big content undertaking, how in the weeds do you get versus who do you hire so that you don't have to get too into the weeds? I've stopped getting in the weeds now because the person who uh, runs content and brand here is better at it than I am. And I've just passed the baton. Like my days in that are over. I am sounding board for her. Uh, once in a while, I come up with an idea, but it is 90% her idea and 100% her execution, she's better at it than I am. And so it's very easy to hand over the keys to somebody who's a, a better driver than you are. Yeah, that's a great realization. I think we all have to face that at some point, but it's, it's really important to be comfortable to find that person who's going to be better than you at that. What about the areas that you had to broaden yourself in? So, you know, obviously you had content down. How did you create self-confidence and you know buy-in from the hiring team that you could tackle areas that you just hadn't done before yeah I, I you know i can't speak to why somebody hired me that's for them to answer i think there are three paths to cmo in b2b uh, product marketing content or brand and demand and my good fortune 
was that I worked for two companies that were very strong in demand. And so I was given some um, bonus points, if you will, for my ability in demand, simply by virtue of the fact that I worked alongside the people who ran demand at companies like HubSpot and companies like Ello, companies that sort of invented the space. And, and so I think I entered with like a major in brand, a minor in, con, uh, in, in demand. I didn't even audit a class in product marketing. I've really had to figure that one out as I go. And fortunately, I hired a guy here, Jason Gadoff, who's like best in world at product marketing. And so I learned from him. That's interesting, especially when you when you look at what Pendo does. It is so product marketing focused. How do you come into that role knowing, as you said, you're going to hire someone who's got expertise, but how did you manage to make the pitch? I know you said you don't know why people hired you, but what was your you know, love for the business coming in to say, this is the next problem that I want to be involved in solving? I love that the product manager, which is our core persona, it is both technical and line of business. And I've marketed to technical audiences and I've mostly marketed to line of business. And so this is like this perfect persona where they need to speak both worlds. They need to speak both languages. And they haven't been strip mined by marketing yet, right? Marketing to marketing is a tough racket. You know it, right? Like there's, there's a lot of companies in that space. It's just less crowded here. We have some great competitors, really strong companies, but there's not thousands of them, right? And so we can understand our competitive set, and we can go really deep on a persona because we really do know who we sell to. And that's a really good starting point for being able to form an opinion on how you run a marketing program. That's some great advice. You know, Joe, we're going to keep this conversation going. We'll take a quick break here, hear from one of our sponsors, and we'll be back to chat, not just about your career journey, but we're going to shift a little bit to talk about how you think of a buyer journey today, right here on The Marketer's Journey. Want to improve the buyer journey for your customers and your prospects? Look no further than our presenting sponsor, Uberflip. Named a leader in content experience by G2 and a leader in content activation by Forrester, Uberflip will help you accelerate every buyer journey by creating bingeable experiences that will allow your prospects to consume more content faster. Companies like Trimble, Wiley, and 3M are using Uberflip to power their go-to-market strategies, and we created one just for you. Head to uberflip.com journey to see how Uberflip can help you leverage the power of personalized content experiences. One of the questions I've started to ask some of my CMO guests at the very end of the podcast in our rapid fire section is, should you be a marketing generalist or specialist as you start your career? And more and more people are saying generalist, but you know, later on you'll hear Joe's answer. And one of the things I think about when Joe talks about his career is he's got this superpower. His superpower without a doubt in my mind, what I think about him is being that content expert. And I actually think right or wrong that there's value in having a superpower in marketing. It's not to say that you shouldn't be that generalist who understands and comprehends the different areas of the business. But the question that you're gonna get at that executive table is what do you bring? What's unique about you? Why am I gonna bet in a big way on a strategic approach that you're gonna take? 
And I would argue that most of the time when I meet someone, whether it's for a marketing leadership role or any role, I want to know what their superpower is. How are you going to set that up in your career for how you stand out? back here on the marketer's journey with Joe. Now, Joe, let's talk a little bit about how you get your brand discovered. And, you know, in the old days, it was throwing out in front of someone. And in the modern days, you know, it's everything from freemium to people talk about product-led growth. What is the mix that you believe is most effective now? I think there's like essentially two ways to build a brand in B2B. Uh, I look at one as you can be a dragon slayer. You can say that there is this thing out there that's really bad and we all agree it's bad and we exist in opposition to that. And that is like ads are bad. So the alternative to ads is inbound and inbound is the next thing. And then the marketer's job is to make inbound a thing and then inbound pulls the brand with it. Right. And so there's the, the dragon slayer approach. The other is I've joked and called it the patron saint approach. And that is I stand to this company stands to give rise to a new role or to strengthen a new role in a company. And that's that's directionally really where Pendo has always been. It is to make product managers emerge as the chief product officers and to make product a more central role in an organization. And then the value of that is product people or whoever your persona is that you you um, kind of king make, they talk to one another and you can then build a community and sort of leonize that particular role. And that's, that's the alternative strategy. And um, I think those are the two paths, to be honest with you. So I want to hit more into this patron saint one in a moment, but, but I find it interesting that you're comparing these two, especially given your career that we've, we've talked about. I mean, the beginning of your career, you could argue you would have been preaching everything about that dragon slayer, specifically with the example that you gave around inbound. I mean, I, I remember back in you know, 2011, 2012, trying to hire a marketer and not give them an inbound marketing title. Like it was impossible. Now, if I went to do that, I couldn't hire anyone, right? Like, it, you know, no one wants that title anymore because it's shifting. People want to be more, as you said, part of the, the product marketing. When do you think that shift happened? Like, you know, is this something that's just happening now or is this something that the most progressive companies, if we look at Dropbox, Slack, you know, they started to go that route maybe five, 10 years ago. Inbound got bastardized and people like us did it. Inbound is simply about getting discovered on the prospect's terms, the prospect's own terms. We turned it into a content form fronted funnel. But that's just one expression of inbound. You might struggle to hire people that are quote unquote inbound marketers because the way that the industry has come to define the term feels a little dated, but inbound doesn't have to be at odds with product led. Inbound doesn't have to be at odds with freemium. Uh, if you look at Kieran Flanagan from HubSpot, he's really passionate about product led. He runs it there, but he's an inbound guy. He wants people to discover the free version of HubSpot on their own terms. So I don't think they're mutually exclusive. It's a, it's a really valid point. So the idea there becomes perhaps that, you know, the inbound or the content minded leader needs to work hand in hand with this product led 
leader. And I'm wondering, how do, how do you structure that relationship today on your own team? Uh, yeah, it's really interesting where we have actually one expression of this that is truly brackish water, where we have, so if you think of content as being in service of the visitor, and typically product is in service of the vendor, right? I'm, I'm making an overstatement for illustrative purposes. We have an experience on our website. The very first thing you see when you come to pendo.io is a tour the product experience. The very first thing you'll see. And that is inboundy in that there's no talk to sales element. You can view it on your own. You can take a tour that uh, of a variety of different use cases, but it is also producty. The first way you come to understand Pendo is to see what the product does. And so for me, that's really an ideal blend of these two worlds. The world that inbound is really all about letting somebody discover something on their own terms. But where the world is going, this product-led notion is make sure that the product is at the front and center of the story you tell. They can coexist. We try to make them coexist right on Pendo.io. Yeah, no, and, and I took this this experience for a spin this morning and I told you it was cool. I, I felt like I was jumping right in there. And I think one of the things that I found really interesting about that, that I'll tell you, even at Uberflip, we've struggled with, say, freemium product-led approach, is that setup process to get someone to the point where they can see value. If that takes longer with a complex offering, the solution that you're offering is one where someone can kind of skip right into the meat of saying, I want to take a look at how the product works once I've already gone through my setup. Is that correct? No, you absolutely nailed it. So like, this is not going to sound very sophisticated, but my view of the buyer journey, a study I once read about grocery stores and somebody tracked every um, visitor to a grocery store, every shopper, because they tried to find a pattern in the way people walk through aisles. And the answer was there was no pattern. All he could do with the information is put the milk on one side of the grocery store and the bread on the other side of the grocery store because we're going to walk our way through the grocery store the way we walk through a grocery store. So what I try to do is create a portfolio of ways people can discover us because I don't know which way you walk through our grocery store, so to speak. So if you do want to actually use the product, we have freemium. And that's a pretty high lift at Pendo, right? You have to actually install Pendo Snippet in your source code. So there's a finite number of people that can do that. On the other hand, if you just want to learn more about being a great product manager, we have content. And in between, you can request a demo if you want somebody to walk you through the product, or you can take one of these tours on your own if you just want to get a little taste of what we do. There is a seat for everybody. So I, I want to kind of contrast, and let's use the actual Pendo homepage. You know, people listen to this on Spotify, wherever you are, you can easily pull it up right now. And, and you go there, you see this experience. And one of the things that really called out to me when I went there is that you are not highlighting that one button that most marketers do, which is request a demo. I mean, it's there, don't get me wrong, but it's almost blended into the color background versus usually we'd make it a big button. Do you believe that people are better off to start with either research using the content route or taking this product tour before they request a demo? Like, do you think that the, the real best buyer will have done their own research and the goal is to empower that before talking to your sales team? I don't believe it. I know it. If you view a tour and then go on to request a demo, 
you are about 50% more likely to become an opportunity than if you just request a demo. If you come to our landing page, we're doing A-B test now, to request a demo and you click the view a tour button before you submit the landing page, you are disproportionately likely to pick up the phone when an SDR calls you. So I know it's true. And that's why our goal is no longer to use these self-guided tours as a way to generate demand, but as a, rather as an accelerant to improve the yield from all of our other demand types. It's really interesting. I'm, I'm curious how this is trickling into some of your off-website experiences. So if you run an ad, are you going to try and depict the experience of using it through some sort of animation flow? Or are you still trying to bring someone to your website to have that experience there? We don't have an answer to that question. Okay, that's fair. We are experimenting with any number of ad types at any point. Like we're trying ad types now that are like really provocative and really sort of uh, much more aggressive than this company has ever taken. We have an ad that is, um, there's a version of Pendo that runs on third-party software. So if your IT department buys a CRM for your company, uh, we can, you can run Pendo on top of that to teach your employees to use the software the way you want. And so we want to point out that a lot of business software is really hard to use. So we have an ad that shows a really bad UI. And it says, which part of blank, and it shows the really bad UI, don't you understand? That's a very different ad for us, and that's purely branding. We don't look at that ad to see like how many conversions did it yield. We just look at how many news feeds, how many feeds did it appear in. And so we're experimenting across the board with ads, but we have not created a self-guided tour embedded into an ad yet, but that would be an intriguing one to tackle. Very cool. All right, so as a, as a last tip for someone who's listening to this podcast, curious to create this type of experience that you've done on your website, just to clarify, is this something that Pendo powers or is this something that you built in terms of how to show how your own product works? Well, Pendo certainly powers our freemium experience. And so the, there's a very meta level too. If you want to use Pendo freemium, not only are you using Pendo freemium, but Pendo itself is telling us how well you're doing in Pendo freemium. So we know when to reach out to you. Almost everything we do is Pendo powered. This particular um, self-guided tour uh, is a third-party product. We were the first, uh, I believe we were the first customer of a company called Reprise. Very cool. Well, Joe, you've already shared so much. We're going to keep you around for a little bit of rapid fire. Take a quick break here on The Marketer's Journey. Right back with Joe Chernoff. I really appreciate Joe calling out the importance of us bringing product into our content. I think many of us fear to do so. We almost say to talk about product, we have to have a customer case study to do so. No, in many cases, people are looking for how your product can solve their problem. And to do that, we need to talk about our product. Now, we can't make it a pitch about why our product is better than someone else. We have to show how our product can actually help solve problems. By highlighting this, by showing the tips, by showing the ways to execute programs, solutions for whatever area you're solving, you will become a trusted advisor. You will show that your solution is part of their answer to the bigger problems in their organization. So don't shy away from product, embrace it, pull it into your marketing, pull it into your content and tell a story that brings the two together. 
Welcome back to The Marketer's Journey. We got one last segment here with Joe. And Joe, I've got some rapid fire questions. So the first question is, are you ready? I am ready, though this is always the most intimidating part of a podcast. There you go. All right. So let me start you off here. The first one I've got for you, when we're thinking about up and coming marketing leaders, would you guide someone to be a specialist, perhaps like the content specialty you had, or a generalist? Pick the right thing and be the best in the world at that thing. All right. All right. I, I'm going to say that's more of a specialist approach, but you know, everyone can read between the lines there. That's, that's um, a specialist. Yep. There you, go. there you go. All right. My next one for you. What's one thing you wish marketers would do more of? I wish marketers would be, uh, would take the spirit of advice from like marketing thought leaders, not the letter of advice. I think we, we should do a better job at listening to like the problem somebody is trying to solve and how they're approaching the solution versus rushing right to, wait, what was that tool you used? Listen to the spirit of what thought leaders share. Very cool. Great, great advice there. All right. I got a, a few more for you here. One is, is going to go back to, I remember one of the first times we met, I think you were at Convey. You said to me, your view was the center of the marketer's universe was marketing automation software. You know, this was back in 2013. Fast forward, you know, eight, nine years. What do you think is at the center of marketing technology software? Marketing automation system. I look, I I had this fantasy that I could run a marketing department without using marketing automation. I just can't. I have to, it's funny, I have to spend money on my marketing automation system, but I like spending money on tools that differentiate me. And so I look at it as what do I have to spend money on versus what do I want to spend money on? I want to spend money on software that, um, that gives my team a sparkle, software that like gives me something to say in a board meeting, but it all has to work with my marketing automation system. It's still there. Still there. So hasn't changed. That's, that's good to know. Uh, I don't always get that answer. All right, let's jump to the next one here. Uh, when you think about content marketing and how it has to evolve in the years to come, what is next? Like, what's the big next thing that you expect to see as a trend with content? I think content has to be calibrated closer to the product. We have to find a way to tell stories about our product. We've strayed pretty far from the nest, right? A lot of what content marketing does is try to tell stories that are sort of diminishingly connected to the product because they want to appeal to as wide an audience as possible, but there's no shame in your product. I think that content marketers have to come back to the nest and be able to tell stories about the product and about the people that use it. Great advice. Couldn't agree more. It is a, a careful line, but one that you know we probably have to get more on side to what we're trying to solve for and what our mission is. All right. The last one's a fun one. It ties us back to the, the journey that we've taken together. We've talked about your career. We've talked about the buyer journey. From a personal journey perspective, taking a break as a CMO, where are you taking that next vacation to? Oh, we're... Um... We've been in the midst of rage traveling. Um, so my next real vacation, a couple little weekends, my next um, real vacations, we're going to go to Steamboat with some friends. My, I moved from Boston to uh, Raleigh, North Carolina for Pendo. And so um, my kids grew up skiing and they're really good at it. I was afraid they would lose it. 
living in the South. And so I, you know, make sure we get away every now and then. And, you know, seeing your 11 year old ski cliffs is like pretty exhilarating. And I don't, I don't want to lose that. Amazing. That's a, that's a, sounds like a great trip, a great experience. Joe, thanks so much for everything that you've been sharing with us on this podcast from your career to your next trip. Lots to take away, you know, wherever you are in your career listening to this podcast, a lot different paths for every one of us. And I think that's the key. If you listen back to some of my other guests, Joe mentioned Brian, you know, who was a guest on this show, everyone's path is different. And as Joe said earlier, figure out what is the best path for you. And one day, maybe I'll be telling that story on this podcast. And until next time, this is The Marketer's Journey. A big thank you to Joe Turnoff. Thanks, Randy. Thanks for having me. You've been listening to the Marketer's Journey podcast. Big thanks to our sponsors at Uberflip, who help you fuel demand generation with content for an accelerated buyer journey. To ensure you never miss an episode, subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, at uberflip.com slash podcast, or anywhere you listen to podcasts.